Is your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to another partner episode between BRC and Friends and First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto, where I serve as the pastor. I hope you enjoy the conversation. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything else that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for me to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. And uh, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto webinars, a place where we engage the hearts and minds of academics, artists, authors, and community leaders. I'm Bruce reyes Chow, and I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church. We, um, we're, uh, we are having uh, Judge-elect uh, Michelle Tong on today, uh, but she is in court uh, and it's going to be a little bit late. So uh, the last minute I invited uh, this other uh, person into our space. Uh, so for those of you who have never met uh, my middle child, Abby, uh, Abby is here. And so we're going to talk a little bit about abolition. We're going to talk about policing, um, about life. And, and then Michelle will come on. We'll join us uh, hopefully pretty soon. And then we'll we'll shift over and uh, begin to talk a little bit more with Michelle. So um, Abby, let's just start with you. Uh, tell us about you. Uh, I was going to write a bio for you. And I'm like, oh, it'd just be, I love my dad. My dad's so awesome. So I figured I'll just let you go ahead and say all that. And then, um, no, but tell us, tell us about you. Give some context for what you're doing, where you are, uh, all of that. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Abby. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am the Bruce's middle child. Um, I'm currently studying at Scripps College in Claremont, California, and I'm planning on dual majoring in politics and Asian American studies, just to kind of give context to context for my focus. Um, my current job, I'm interning with um, the Youth Leadership Institute, which is a nonprofit that really uplifts the youth programs um, with a focus on social justice. And so I'm currently their social media intern. So be sure to follow Youth Leadership Institute on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, <laughs> plug there. Um, I'm also working on um, Stephen Lee's current Palo Alto um, City Council campaign. So those are the main things that I'm doing in my life right now. Right. Plus, plus school and all kinds of other things. Uh, uh, somebody, somebody was teasing me uh, about uh, you and they're like, oh, so she's a workaholic like her dad. And I was like, that's not fair. I mean, we're just disciplined and we like to do stuff and but we got to like we all anyway. There's probably a little truth in that. Um, so, uh, you know, so Abby, you've you've been for as long as I've known you, uh, as you developed your thinking and all that, you've been pretty involved with social justice issues. Um, you know, when people, you know, you run into call, you know, uh, classmates and colleagues who are who are not in that. Why? Why do you think you're you've you've leaned towards um, causes 
uh, around social justice, around, you know, you're looking at politics and Asian American studies. I mean, what, what do you think it brought you to kind of this, to this space? Yeah. Um, well, I think just growing up in the communities that I was a part of, you know, growing up in San Francisco, growing up um, surrounded by um, this kind of uh, very inclusive culture, not San Francisco specifically, because San Francisco surely has um, its own issues around exclusion and uh, discrimination. But just like my family was very, um, I think, intentional around really instilling the belief that we should all care about our community. We should all care about the world. Um, and so really just growing up, you know, my dad's a pastor, my mom's a teacher. Um, those values have just always been a constant in our family. Um, and so it was really just a kind of seamless transition to go from growing up in that kind of context to thinking in terms of what do I want to do with my life? I want to do social justice work. I want that to be my focus. Um, and I think really, the things that I've focused on have been a result of that. Um, I just see politics as a way to uh, create and move widespread uh, social change um, and in a permanent way, in a way that lasts. Um, and I think in terms of Asian American studies, um, that is really gives a foundation in terms of my own experiences as an Asian American um, in terms of whether that's going through politics and, and having the historical uh, contextual background um, for policies and understanding why policies work and do the things that they do, um, but also just um, having an opportunity to learn about the histories that I never learned in, in high school and middle school, elementary school, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah. Great. All right. Thanks. And, and then, I, you know, recently, as you've been getting involved, when you were on campus at Scripps and Claremont and Southern California, you began to get involved with um, uh, abolition movements and uh, Justice LA and all that. And how, how did you get connected into kind of that world and that thinking and, and that stream of social justice? Yeah, so um, it really all started when I took... Um, my first year, so last year at college, I took a politics class called Ending Mass Incarceration. Um, and the professor for that class really allowed us to shape it um, however we wanted because he wanted it to be a really like hands-on type of class. So he really wanted it to focus on actual organizing. And um, when we began the class, he, he approached us and was like, do you want this class to be a class focused on reform or abolition? Um, and it was pretty unanimous, unanimously decided that we wanted to focus on abolition. Um, and so from there, I was able to really dive into um, some of the literature and theory around abolition, as well as actually being on campus and organizing. Um, and there were already movements going on on campus around abolition, but really being able to join in um, in those. And then unfortunately that class was uh, moved online um, because of COVID in March. Um, and so a lot of the like in-person organizing things that we had been in the process of doing, we weren't able to necessarily do anymore. Um, but I was able to, through that class, we were like all sharing resources and stuff on our Slack channel. Um, and so I was able to find um, Justice LA and they were doing virtual actions three times a week um, that were related to abolition and defunding the police. And so I was able to hop onto those like, uh, while school was going on, but really more significantly after school ended. 
Um, and so three days a week, I was able to participate in those. They were um, focusing on like text banking and phone banking, um, board of submitting public comment, all that good stuff. Um, and from being there as a volunteer phone banker, text banker, I was able to um, do some really awesome leadership stuff there as well. Um, and yeah, so that's that's pretty much how I got started in this. And, and Justice LA started really out of fighting um, uh, the building of a jail in LA. That was kind of their 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 main focus, and and it moved on or not moved on, but just are now doing abolition work. So let me ask you: We've had these conversations as you've kind of brought your the rest of your family into this abolitionist space. I mean, what's what do you see as the difference between? Uh, reform and abolition, if we're talking about police or mass incarceration. But why, some would say, well, we just need to fix what we have. Others are like, no, we need to just like get rid of it and build something up new. I mean, how do you talk about that or explain that to folks and, and folks ask you about what's the difference between reform and abolition? Yeah. I mean, I just want to also start out by saying like, I'm in no way an expert. These are just like my opinions and what I've learned from, from being slightly involved in this work. Um, but I think for me, the difference is really the fact that these systems have never worked. And so why would reforming them help them function better? And that they were founded in racism, discrimination, all other forms of isms. And um, so just for me, there's not really necessarily an argument there that we could ever make them work because they've never worked in the past. Um, they cause so much harm and they perpetuate systems of harm um, that reform just doesn't feel like an option to me. Um, and so I believe in abolition because it's just, it seems like the obvious solution to me um, just because the systems have never functioned. We need to rethink the systems entirely um, in a way that is inclusive and um, like doesn't perpetuate harm in the most simplest terms. Like, um, so yeah, that's really the difference for me. Mm. But people are scared. That scares people because you know, the response is what, so you're just trying to, so some people say, so you're going to get rid of the police and everyone's like, yeah. Um, but I mean, but then what's that next, like it, as you're talking with people, as you're learning stuff, what's that next step then? Let's say, okay, a city council says we're going to, we're going to disband the police as we know it. What are the elements that you see as you're learning about this that then need to come into place? Like what are, what are the pieces that take the place of what we have traditionally thought the police should do? Right. Um, so I think that the first step is listening to the organizers that are on the ground right now um, and the people who have been doing this work for years and years and years um, because they have plans, like there are plans. And I think that a lot of the fear is coming from, well, you're just gonna get rid of the police and then it's gonna be anarchy. But they, right. people have been like planning this for like decades. Um, and so, for me, I've most of the um, like abolition work that I've done has been based in LA County. Um, and so, for example, they have like an alternatives to incarceration plan that they proposed. And I'm not sure where it's sitting right now. I know that it was approved, but I'm not really sure what um, like place it's in right now. But um, just like reading through that plan a little bit, like it's so based in community needs that 
when it's based in community needs, it actually like support, like this sounds simple, but like when you actually listen to the community and you center the community, they tell you what they need. Like the state doesn't, the state doesn't know what the communities need because it's been functioning at this institutional level for so long and it's integrated at its core, um, all these like forms of discrimination and bigotry at its core that it doesn't know what its, its community actually needs. Um, and so when you just center the community, so that's community services, community centers, um, then you find the solutions um, to uh, like over policing and and prisons and yeah. Right. That's so my general understanding. So what about communities and like let's say like the city that that you know we now live in in Palo Alto. I would would I trust this whole community to make right decisions about policing? Like, I mean, that that question of if a community has supported and created this system, what's going to make it change enough to represent those who may not have power and authority, right? Because if the systems are there to oppress folks and keep them down would there be enough voice to actually be able to do things? And it's kind of a rhetorical question, but you know, you think about how elections are going to go in Palo Alto. Will it be a, 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 a continuation of the status quo, or is it going to be uh, an election that results in the possibility of, of significant transformation? I mean, just how, do, how, how do you kind of wrap your hand around, you know, communities that actually like it the way it is? Like, and what do we, what do we do in those kind of spaces, which, it's odd being in that space in where we live now than where we were before. Um, but, you know, so what would, you, so let's say you're on the city council for Palo Alto now and um, uh, no pressure, <laughs> but, but you get to decide like how, how does, how does the city like Palo Alto begin to think through these kinds of things around community, uh, uh, community engagement and, and shifting the way that the police uh, are involved? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it differs for every community and also the definition of community shifts depending on where you go. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it's about centering the people who have been most harmed by the system um, and, and listening to their needs, their wishes, their goals. Um, in my classes right now, we're studying a lot about um, like transformative justice and um, just it's all about centering the people who have been harmed um, and listening to their needs and and like they will tell you what the healing process needs to be and what system works um, and trusting that and so I think in it's in a community like Palo Alto where it's um, you know predominantly wealthy predominantly white um, it's about listening to the folks in the community who are not who are not wealthy who are not white and who are being affected by most by these systems um, and being targeted the most by these systems. Cool. Yep. There you go. Right. Well, uh, we'll pass this on to all the city council members so that they can. <laughs> <laughs> who oh, are yeah. these newcomers coming into <laughs> our city and just raising the havoc? It's great. I mean, I think part, it has been an interesting thing to move into a very different world. Like you said, like San Francisco has its issues. Every city has its kind of things that are going on, but to kind of be in a space where it's, it's just a different world and trying to adjust to uh, uh, how to, how to kind of 
carry the same values into a different space without kind of being judgmental or kind of smug about um, who we are. I mean, San Franciscans can be smug anyway, but uh, um, yeah. So um, as, so uh, let's, let's, I want to talk a little bit more about um, some of the work you're doing. Uh, and I think folks are interested because, you know, you're a college student um, this COVID time has been, not good and not awesome for for people you you are um doing the making the best out of it that you can uh you know not living at home and trying to ex, um, experience college in some ways but have you seen your colleague your colleagues your classmates and others getting involved during this time has this been a a time when people are actually like stepping into politics and social justice even more or at less i mean what what have you seen around that um, I think on the whole, I mean, I also want to say I'm not like <laughs> spokesperson for young people. Um, but in my experience, I've been seeing definitely, at least online, I mean, because that's the main form of like, communication right now with people who I'm like not living with. <laughs> like I just see their presence online. Um, and so online, I've been seeing a lot more people, you know, encouraging folks to go vote, saying they're registered to vote, getting involved in politics in that way. Um, but I think in terms of organizing, it really depends. Some people, like, I know this format is just so draining when you're on Zoom all day, going from meeting to meeting to class to meeting. Um, and you just, at the end of the day, there's no more capacity to do anything. Um, and so, and and that's entirely fair and should be honored and valued. Um, and I think it really depends on the, the positionality of young folks um, because I know some people have gotten way more involved because you know even though Zoom is difficult it also presents I've been talking to a lot of folks about how it, it shortens distance and so you're able to join in on these things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to because it's like a two-hour drive away or whatever it is um, and so I know that some people have gotten involved in that way and others have pulled back just because this time and this context is like so overwhelming um, right, so right. yeah I think it really depends. Let's talk about, I, I, uh, you bring up an interesting conversation about young people. I was just on a panel with uh, Vote 16 Palo Alto. I was by far the oldest person by two or three times, which is so fun for me now. It's fine. I, I'm embracing my age. Um, and, but, you know, it was it was great to hear young folks and all that. And I think one of the issues that a lot of older people uh, do is we romanticize the power of young people. We romanticize, well, if you're young, then you're obviously going to do this or that. Um, so, um, how how have you faced any of that? I mean, uh, in 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 the work that you're doing and where you're showing up, are there these assumptions about young folks, good or bad? I mean, just around how you're supposed to be involved or or not supposed to be involved, or how what you say or shouldn't say. I mean, how's that been for you as a as a young person entering into some of these spaces? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times um, I'm either the youngest or like there's like maybe three other young people in, in an organizing space with me. And it's definitely intimidating just because you know that it's not even like people are coming with assumptions, but just like a lot of times folks have just more life experience um, in especially in organizing. Um, but I think that most of the spaces that I've been in, the youth voice has been really valued. Um, just because our experiences, especially right now, are so unique and you need youth representation in order to accurately create um, solutions or, or um, even to just create like 
um, accurate and authentic conversation about the things that are happening right now, youth experience is so monumental, um, especially because a lot of us have grown up now with Trump as our president. Like, I don't really remember a time when Obama was our president because my second year of high school is when Trump was elected. And that's when I was really coming into um, just being more politically aware um, and all that stuff. So I, I think I think that there has been a really important value placed on youth voice. And that is also to say that you shouldn't be tokenized um, because again, every youth's experience is gonna be different. Um, and especially the work that I've been doing with Youth Leadership Institute, um, I've just been really appreciative of the way that, you know, at every point there's the reminder, like your voice and your opinion matters, please share with us. We want your feedback. We want you in this conversation. I'm just an intern and they're still like, please, we want your input, like all this stuff. And it's just, it's, it's extremely empowering, um, especially just like when I'm, as I'm like growing up in this time um, and understanding that my perspective is important and should be valued and just like seeing the world also reflect that is is pretty amazing cool. i'm trying not to get all weepy on this side of the camera listening to you talk <laughs> oh my lord for those of you that have joined us lately so this is not michelle tong uh, michelle was in court and is going to be late and so i asked abby i'm like hey can you come on and talk about abolition and stuff she's like sure so uh, for those of you that, again, are, are, have come on since we began, this is uh, Abby is uh, our middle kid who is uh, a sophomore at Scripps College in Claremont, but is uh, doing school from Chicago, which uh, and experiencing a little bit of cooler weather. We'll get a little winter. It's um, you have you had snow? No, not yet. We're very no? sad. It, it shouldn't be no coming, snow. though, right? I mean. It, it feels like it's right? should be coming. Yeah. Yeah. So we're waiting on Michelle to get here is kind of what we're doing, but I, um, hopefully you've been learning a lot from, from Abby as she's kind of doing her, uh, kind of talking about all the amazing kinds of things and engagements that she's been in, um, all this. So let me ask you, let's, as long as we're just chit chatting about stuff, um, let's talk about the election. Okay. So, um, what, uh, what do you, well, I'm gonna, what are your predictions about what happens after election day? That's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know. At this point, when folks ask my predictions, I just I, I have flashbacks to like election night 2016 um, when we were all sitting in front of our TV and just like, crying <laughs> because <laughs> it wasn't supposed he wasn't supposed to win that was the prediction is that he wasn't going to win um and so when people ask me about predictions now i'm like why <laughs> like what's what's the value anymore because um i don't i just feel like it anything could happen um which is why we have to push so hard to vote and vote safely and um because you just don't know at this point, I just have lost so much faith in like our like political system that it's just really right now, it's a matter of me just like waiting, fingers crossed, encouraging folks to go vote and like, it'll be what it'll be. And like, we will, we'll get through it, whatever it is. Um, as we end your time, I know you have to get out of here for like, uh, like 
actual important things to do. So I really appreciate you hanging out uh, a little bit uh, with us at First Presbyterian Church webinars and your and your dad. But so as we end our our time, and I'm gonna have to riff in between you and Michelle a little bit. Um, uh, so do you have any questions? So you had, do you have any questions for me? Um, sure. How how are you feeling about um, the election in terms of um, what you've been seeing um, in terms of like get out the vote? Have folks in your community seemingly got more politically involved, or or what's what's the vibe around that? Right what's now? the vibe? Um, so I I think yeah. when I, and I'll think about the community that I'm serving, First Presbyterian Church. I think that this church has always been super politically engaged and involved and. Uh, you know, last, even last elections, been here through, you know, the um, a, a November and a June cycle that folks were traveling to, to, to precinct walk, you know, and we're going to other parts of the state to help. And so there, folks were engaged in that way. And I think that what COVID has done is it's, I think at a certain point, it was like, oh, what, do we, how are we going to do what we're going to do when we usually like would go out and put our feet to the street kind of thing. Um, and so finding a way to shift in how they go about and in getting involved with with um, elections and political movements, I think, is is folks have made that pivot pretty well. And so you see a lot of stuff happening. So I don't I don't know. I think maybe people who have been politically connected, but maybe not as as active, they have certainly become more active. Others have just had to find a way to get that energy out. But I would say the overarching feeling is a lot of people feeling overwhelmed and overextended about this. I mean, I think that it would be interesting to put a, a, a big group of young folks and a big group of 60 and 70 year olds in a room and see if there was any commonality about the emotional toll or emotional space that, that folks have. Because um, I almost feel like some of our our, our older folks are pretty dejected about what's going on and uh, are expressing it maybe differently than than others. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so I think overall, everybody's pretty active and involved um, uh, and, and interested in what's going on. You know, multiple voter guides have come out from people. Um, we have a lot of people having conversations about every, our California propositions and local politics. And around here, unlike San Francisco, where it was the same city and state or city and county here, it's city and county. And so there's a lot of different cities. And so that that's taken a little bit for me to get used to. Um, but I think folks are still pretty super active. And I think, but I'd say like you, you know, folks are like, well, it's going to be bad in some ways, no matter what happens, no matter what outcome there is. It's not as if anybody's going to believe any with any clarity that there is a common acceptance of the outcome between all of the United States. Kind of so, I, you know, for me, it's like, what's going to be? Where's that going to tilt? Like, what's and, and how are people going to react? So, my guess is lots of street actions after the election and, and that kind of thing. All right, as we end, uh, I got to get you out of here. Uh, three questions I ask every guest on podcasts and webinars. What are you What are you reading? What are you watching? And what are you listening to? Okay. So, <laughs> Did you get ready? Um, <clears throat> well, so I have zero time to read for fun, but 
in my politics class, we did this really interesting reading by Paul Freimer called Uneasy Alliances. And the chapter that we read was about um, uh, kind of focusing on the Clinton administration and how they really uh, used racism to um, gain the like middle class, like white electorate, especially in the South. Um, but really how the idea of like the swing voter being like a, a middle class, like moderate white person is was put onto the agenda intentionally. And it, it's just really interesting because it talks about like the anti-blackness that goes into um, like cultivating narratives around um, like who is like the the uh, swing voter, like who are we supposed to be like targeting and and really um, advertising to. And so it is really interesting. I would encourage I encourage that read. Yeah, it's it is. Oh, you know, as, oh good. Oh, well, I, am I supposed to answer the next questions now? Or? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. What are you listening? You got it. You got okay. it. Go make you what are you listening to? What are you? <laughs> okay, I'm listening to right now. I'm kind of late, but Mahalia, her album Love and Compromise, so good. I would highly recommend. I think it came out in 2019, but it's really good. And then I'm watching. Oh, me and my roommate have been watching a lot of Halloween Bake Off. <laughs> where they just bake cakes and it's really comforting it's really it's, it's really comforting and actually we've been watching well watching but on our tv we put up like a fire a video of a fireplace and then we turn on the heaters and it's like <laughs> a real fireplace like you feel the heat you feel the heat you put on some nice little acoustic tunes and it's just fall Autumnal. This is, this is what happens when California kids start heading uh, east. It's like, ooh, like <laughs> this is what fall is. This is what winter is. You just hit shave ice over your head and you're pretending it's snowing. Open the freezer. <laughs> it's it's snowing. So you're oh, not yeah. watching Crash Landing on you? Oh my gosh, that's so. Good. I don't have the emotional capacity right now. I can only watch Halloween Bake Off. That's all I have capacity for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Abby. Thank you so much for hanging out. I'll get you to your next meeting. Uh, and hopefully Michelle's going to join us. Ah! All right. So so you won't be able to see Michelle. And for those of you that uh, one of the things that, that Abby got to do was she interned in the public defender's office with Michelle uh, and um, got a kind of glimpse into kind of the day-to-day -day life of a public defender, which we could probably do a whole nother episode on. But uh, have a good have a good rest of the day. Love you, love you, love you. Take care. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. When you have a problem, Box 12 gets you answers. The violence continues. When crime hits too close to home, we want to make sure your voice is heard. We're listening and ready to confront your problems head on. How can Box 12 help you? Tell us at kptv.com. Bye, Dad. Bye. All right. Also, now you got me to riff for a little bit. Uh, you know, I think when you're uh, trying to get folks on who are doing things that are... Um, 
very, very important, you know, uh, like being in court and defending people. Uh, we got to roll with that. So uh, Michelle did to, uh, um, come on. And she is going to come on. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit about uh, Michelle. So Michelle uh, is a uh, judge elect went to UC Santa Cruz. Um, and uh, one of the quotes from Michelle off of her um, campaign website was, is this and says, I dedicated my life's work to advocating the underserved communities of the city to better the lives of others and to better the lives of others. Judges have the unique power to make decisions that affect us day to day, from child custody decisions to neighbor disputes to critical criminal justice determinations. San Francisco Superior Court judges hold the power to make life-altering decisions that affect those in our communities. It is, um, I can't wait to talk to her as soon as she gets here and be able to kind of flesh that out. Because again, Michelle and I have known each other since high school. Uh, she is younger than I am, but uh, we kind of crossed paths and um, excited to have her here. So we will, um, if you have any public defender questions, that kind of thing, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly pop uh, those up for Michelle. Um, and, uh, so I'm just hanging out here until Michelle gets here, but this is very good webinar TV right here. It's like good radio when there's just silence. But, um, so for me, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my kind of on abolition kind of thinking. And, um, I, I've been on a few kind of panels as of late and talked with city council members and, uh, folks of, uh, you know, in ours, in Palo Alto, we're really talking about a lot of reform. Uh, some of you have known about the thing called eight can't wait. Uh, that talks about eight statutes and, and standards that we want folks that want the police to 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 sign on to um, that all seem very common sense like identifying yourself before you fire and uh, no using chokeholds and those kinds of things but uh, there are many in the community that believe uh, again like Abby was talking about that reform when you're reforming a system that at its core was built on um, uh, systems of racism and oppression, because as we 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 look at how police systems kind of uh, um, originated out of slave capture and slave uh, um, uh, tracking and returning and all that, that we, it's built on these kinds of systems. And so, uh, as Abby said, right when we, people talk about abolition, I think there's this initial response of, well, you're just going to get away from everything, and it's going to be like. Uh, it's going to be like the purge and it's going to be, you know, uh, this madhouse everywhere. And I think that that is something that um, there will certainly be some, some changes and some shifts and some rough parts. But that um, I think that that reaction itself is just like, well, why do you think that's we would do that? Like, if, is it all or nothing? Or can we really begin to believe that a community begins to understand itself a little differently? And I see Michelle's name popping up on our webinar uh, and so we are going to welcome Michelle. Sorry, I'm coming, now. I'm coming. That's right. I'm so glad. You just missed Abby. We brought Abby oh, on. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, to, to, to riff with me for a little bit. It was very sweet. I was trying not to get all weepy as she's talking. Uh, kind of uh, amazing to see your, your own kids kind of grow into uh, these kind of things. So welcome, Michelle. And so people that you actually like. And people <laughs> That's right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for making it back here, running from court and being Sorry, here. am I late? No, no yeah. that's okay. okay. We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. okay. We're good. Um, and I already introduced you a little bit. I read a little bit off of your uh, your campaign around 
um, you're uh, the dedicating your life to advocating the underserved communities of the city. And so I'm so thrilled that we can have a little bit of time to talk. Um, uh, for those of you, again, Michelle and I grew up in Sacramento and Michelle's younger than I am. So I knew her sister, but we crossed paths in a youth organization called uh, Mandarin's Drum and Bugle Corps. Um, and just so everybody knows, we're recording this and it's gonna be posted and, and all of that. Michelle's frozen on me right now. You still there, Michelle? Uh-oh, public defender's office. Hopefully Michelle comes back on. <laughs> All right. All right, I think, let's see. Are you there, Michelle? Uh, Michelle may be zipping off and back on again. This is good webinar stuff right here. We may edit this middle part out. We'll see. Um, so we'll wait for Michelle to come back on uh, again. You know um, what I'm gonna do? All right. <laughs> we'll see how it. I think she might be signing on somewhere else. We'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, so uh, what I was saying about the abolition stuff around in, in, in Palo Alto. Oh, there we go. Hello again. I'm trying to, um, I'm going to have to do this. Nope. Uh, Shall I come back on? Uh, so I was talking about Palo Alto, the, the idea around, uh, I think Palo Alto has this very interesting space that we could really try something here because of people's perspectives here that and entrepreneurship and that maybe looking at policing in a town like this might actually have a possible uh, way of thinking about it more dramatically than say a San Francisco where the scope is so big. So hopefully, um, you know, we here in Palo Alto as I'm getting grounded here as our city council is thinking about it, that, that we'll be able to make some changes here. All right. So I think we have Michelle back. Maybe. Yep. All right. You're muted, Michelle. Let's see. Try, okay. Um, can you hear me? There we go. Yep. All right. Now we got two Michelles. There we oh, go. Okay. All right. You know what? What I what I what I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get it. Hold on, hold on. But I'm going to mute one of them. This is weird. All right. Oh, there we go. Now, now we're good. I wonder, I can, I think we can kick one of you off. Kick one of me off. Kick the, yeah. keep yeah. my, hold on. Kick. I'll keep the one where you're clear. Uh, yeah. Let me, cause the one with the, um, on the laptop is, uh, hold on. I know how to do it. Okay. There we go. There we go. Okay, here we go. All right. Sorry about cool. that. Sorry All right. That's right. That's cool. No problem at all. Um, so what, can you quickly just uh, give for the folks that are listening, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your, your quick bio, and then I have some questions for you as, as we kind of move through this. Okay, my quick bio. Um, let me start with reverse order, I suppose. I, I'm a public defender right now. That's what I've been doing for the past, um, it'll be 17 years in January. I started off as a paralegal here for two years and I became a misdemeanor attorney and then I became a felony lawyer. And then I ran for judge in the 
uh, March election primaries and I prevailed. So I will start that position in January. I get sworn in. Um, but I've basically been doing, you know, even before law school, I did, I was a paralegal at the Asian Law Caucus. I've been pretty much doing social justice, public interest work my whole adult life, I would say. You should go back and watch this because I asked Abby kind of how did she move in, like where was the social justice piece and when did, how, how did that come about in her? And I'm, it's, I love hearing her tell her own story. So let me ask you though. So when we knew each other, like you were four years younger than me, three years, I can't remember how old, so I, I'm 87. Well, I, I think we're, you're 87. What? No. I graduated what? 87. Um, I graduated in 92. I think we're four or five years apart. Okay. So when we knew each other, there was a big age difference and we were doing this youth organization. Shout out to the manager of John Beagle Corps. Um, when did you kind of discover this passion? Kind of when did social justice become part of who you are? Because um, I don't, I mean, I lost track. I mean, I didn't really keep up with you until later on and like, oh, Michelle's a public defender. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's interesting, right? I mean, you don't, I, I couldn't necessarily say there's this poignant moment, like some people have that story. Um, I just know I, as like, you know, as a young person, I I did, you know, I, I guess I always like to help people. I helped, like when I was like a teenager, I helped at a convalescent home, stuff like that. Um, and then I, I, I guess I became exposed to, I was always into this stuff. Like even, like I would get in fights with some of our, friends in the mandarins about <laughs> shall remain nameless about like political issues in the middle east i mean this is when i was like 10 and 11 i don't know why i don't mm. know why how I don't, I, I don't even know how i became interested in these things my parents didn't talk about it and then in high school i um i went to this i didn't go to the high school i was supposed to go to and i was part of a humanities program and that's where i became exposed to you know, the issues in Palestine and Israel and Latin America. And I just love that stuff. And at that time, I actually wanted to do more like investigative reporting. I really was interested in like global news. Um, and then I end up going, and that's actually what I thought I wanted to do. I go to the, I go to Santa Cruz, which then further exacerbates whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, so, and then, so my trajectory at that time was thinking I wanted to do international, like be a Connie Chung. I wanted to be like reporting live from the Gaza Strip, you know, boom. Right. boom right. So then I, and then I, I went and studied abroad in China and I realized that I didn't feel like emotionally that at home there, right? Like I could speak some, I was learning how to speak Mandarin. I spoke some Cantonese, but like they always I didn't feel exactly at home. And it was that process coming back where I realized my best self or how I could contribute most is by, is tapping into my bicultural background. So I felt like that when I came back in the middle of college, I was like, I'm going to focus on the, you know, the Asian immigrant community here. Um, people are receptive. They accept my poor Chinese <laughs> and so that I can help them navigate the, American system. So that's kind of where it started in terms of social justice stuff. Um, I worked at the right. Asian Law Caucus. Actually, in, in high school, I, I mean, in college, I worked at the Asian Law Alliance in San Jose, right. which 
which is you know connected somehow in some some way to the caucus. And then back in 1980, 1996, I want to say, a lot of Immigration Reform Control Act happened, and a lot of non-citizen immigrants who had served their jail time 10 plus years ago, we had these crazy stories, but had not gotten naturalized because of their criminal status or whatever, were getting sent back, deported. I mean, you hear stories about it now. You hear the after effect yeah. now. After effect now like they're being sent to like, you know, some countries won't take them, some countries do. So that's when I, be, I started getting exposed to criminal law and I, that's, and then I never turned back from that. No, never turned back. Yeah. And uh, I had mentioned before you came on that Abby interned with you and, uh, and she just, when she would come, it's like, Michelle works so hard. Like, I don't know if you scared her off from being a public defender. <laughs> I mean, it was such a formative moment for her in that time. Um, and I just, I appreciated your care of her during that time. I still remember you calling me and kind of saying, here's the things we're going to do. Is that okay? And I'm like, Hey, I'm trusting my kid to another person. It's cool. I felt like, I mean, I have other parents that will like, apparently have these prep talks with their children about the things that come out of my mouth and warn them that, Hey, <laughs> that's grown up talk. So I, you know, I, <laughs> Make sure you knew. Well, actually, we, and we had just reconnected. I'm like, you probably also like that he's a pastor. I don't really know where he is yet on all this stuff. So, I was like, but I appreciate that. No, so let's keep talking about you. So you're a public defender. Uh, I think one of the things that I, I learned about you through Abby is this kind of this, um, this real separation between public defenders and prosecutors and kind of how we look at the criminal justice system, if you want to call it. I mean, and so um, uh, as you're thinking about where we are now, uh, a lot of our folks are involved, have been involved with conversations about police reform and abolition and defunding. And those things have become much more high profile now, you know, even though people have been doing work for a long time. Uh, how do you navigate that as a public defender? And then how, are, how is that going to be with you as a judge? I mean, I'm fascinated by right. where you stand with all of this and then how you're going to navigate all of this going forward. You know, I think there's, there's been so much um, horrible things or depressing things about COVID, but there's also these silver, silver linings in some ways that if you look at, like you said, the work around and whether we were labeled it this way, police reform, defunding or abolition, we didn't, you know, the, these labels have changed like progressive right. wasn't, around two, three years ago. But the, the, the issues have been around for decades. Right. And if anyone has had an opportunity to watch all the things that are on Netflix, you'll see that documentaries dating back to, you know, actually the case before Rodney King have just been building and people have been making movies and people have been writing books, right? But, and to my, even I, I confess, like you get tired of bringing up the same issues because no one's paying attention, including me. I got right. tired of posting another black boy that got shot. Right. 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 And, and I feel bad for that. And for, but for COVID. When you have a problem, Box 12 gets you answers. The violence continues. When crime hits too close to home, we want to make sure your voice is heard. We're listening and ready to confront your problems head on. How can Fox 12 help you? Tell us at kptv.com. 
like a lot of like my coworker who's chair I'm using right now was very like observant to say that we don't have these distractions, right? And Black Lives Matter suddenly this year with George George Floyd in 2020, like cut steam with everything from corporate, whether it's genuine or not, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But everyone, like, could you imagine Nordstrom's yeah. was doing this? Like, <laughs> years ago, I remember, I remember on, um, I think it was MLK Day. I'm a big giant fan. I um, know. I still, I still like you anyway. <laughs> and no I, remember, I remember posting, like, I don't know, on Facebook or something to Giants being like, where's your, where's your, uh, you know, MLK Day thing, right? Or where's your Black History Month thing, Radio Science? No one would dare do that now, right? Uh, right. From like corporate retail to the corner shop to every MLB, NBA, blah, 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 is posting how much they love Black lives. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So as a public defender for 17 years, it's like, this has kind of been old news. And so I'm thankful and grateful that the general public, even my parents know what Black Lives Matter means. I mean, just last year when I started doing the campaign, I, I used the acronym BLM to someone in my staff and they were like, what's that? Like, really? you know, really? And I think anybody knows what BLM now. So, you know, as a, as a, as a defense attorney, it's been hard because I, I feel like we are the last stop. I feel like we are Mm -hmm. the red and the residual and the repercussions and the, of what's been going on with the lack of reform, with the lack of defunding, with the lack, we are the byproduct of all these things. So it's been hard because you're like, constantly trying to televise this problem and people are like yeah 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 i mean even yeah 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 but it's real and it hasn't gone away so what so um it's been interesting san francisco i said leaving san francisco has been an odd thing and now i'm in palo alto and trying to get involved with the politics here um but you know we elected a public defender to be our district attorney in san francisco right i mean this was kind of amazing wild and all people i you know only in san francisco would you do that um and uh and now you're you're going to be a judge okay around the country there is it happening around the there if you there's i mean it's happening in other cities um in fact awesome uh, I, i can't list them all but like chicago there's one if we have, I mean, we don't, George Gascon is not a former public defender, but in, in Hawaii, there's an interest coming up in November election. There's a former, there's a former PD um, and some other people. So that it's starting to happen. And so it that gets, you know, get, gets me to my question around. So uh, what difference does it make, you know, cause we know that historically it's been prosecutors that have been, judges and all those kind of things. So what what difference does it make that you come from the context of being a public defender into a judgeship now? I mean, uh, not to say that you are, you're going to rule in certain ways all the time, but how does that inform how you will hold that office? I mean, to be honest, I have yet to know, right? I mean, I have- <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> I'm still wearing these clothes. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I can draw from, I have, an idea. And yes, I mean, I have to follow the law, obviously. Um, and I, there are fortunately in the past five years or so, there've been more defense background 
judges that have been appointed. Um, even right now we have some. And so I think from, I could tell you from what I see from them, and I'm not saying I would be like them, but as, sure. as a practitioner in front of them, um, for one, they have trial experience. They have trial experience that in the criminal courts, you know, when I'm appearing in front of, in front of them, that that their colleagues may not have. And they also have an understanding of the multi layers and complexities that our clients bring and yeah. that the people that are accused bring before them and, you know, can recognize some dignity and humanity in everybody, not just the prosecutor or the jurors or the, you know, the victims and the witnesses. Um, these things, they sound very insignificant, but when a judge addresses the accused by their name and says hello and greets them in the morning, you know, and even simply asks how they're doing. Um, and I'm not saying you have to only be a defense attorney judge to do that, but like there's, there's that constant, there's a memory that of that, right? Because we've been representing people for XYZ time period. Um, right. that's what I envision for myself. And, um, I mean, let me say it this way. Like I said, I don't know how I'm going to be. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be unhappy with me. No, you can't sure. make any, everyone. I mean, Chase Boudin is dealing with this. You, no one's going to be happy. Um, but you know, a very, very famous kind of, uh, uh, process is happening right now with Justice Cohen Barrett. And why is it so controversial? Right. Yeah. Kind of all you need to look at. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's going to, it certainly is going to be interesting. So folks that are watching this, um, if you have any questions for Michelle, go ahead and put those in the Q and A and we'll go ahead and get to those. But I'm just going to, you know, I think this is, um, you know, somebody who's kind of watching from afar, you know, I think we were strong supporters of you and all that. I think it's just kind of amazing. Do you ever once in a while just go like the heck I'm a judge. I mean, it just must be. Yeah. Like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm like, I kind of look around laughing, like, <laughs> is this, I, I get that did i make a book of myself <laughs> you know um but it's like again i don't you know i know a lot of things will change i i i just i hope that you know i i see myself as this little tiny person that was still in drum and bugle corps you know and i just want to like i just want to try to inspire people or not i don't I don't live my life with intention of inspiring people. I don't do that at all. Cause that seems weird, but if people are inspired, then I think that's great. I think everyone should be inspired. And I, I do feel that um, it's something bigger than myself, right? It's not, it could be easy for me to say, I don't want to run a campaign. I mean, it, it's, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of time. It was doing all these things that are completely against my natural grain. Right. Like all of it. Right. <laughs> Chumming up with strangers and trying to get them to endorse me. Hate that. Asking people for money. Hate that. Asking people to help me. Hate that. Asking people to vote for me to like all of those things. It is, it was, it's my, I'm, it's my natural inclination to just let me do my work. Let me do a good job and touch you one by one and all the things about running 
were all against my grain, my natural grain. But I do feel like, and I do then and now that it was something bigger than what I want. And is part of just the natural trajectory of dedicating my life to social justice and defending the constitution. Right. Right. Well, I'm, I'm so excited for you. I mean, I just, in terms of, I hope they're going to put your, uh, what do they call it when you get sworn in your, I don't, I don't I know do. what it's called. Yeah. It's, it's kind You're of, swearing there's, in. yeah, there's like the more nuts and bolts of it. Like you have to get sworn in before you even start judging. So that's the, that is going to be like more small time, but I, I think I'm going to work on zooming. It's not very going to be very exciting. And then I am going to plan, hopefully if COVID calms down to do the more, big party big, big, oh good 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 well excited about it. so before we end i know you got it you got as abby says she's always working she's always going i don't want to i'm good now i'm good um but I, I we're gonna we'll 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 close up now so um but i always ask every guest four yes. questions yes. the first is do you have any questions for me um uh i appreciate you doing this and just being i actually really I think, I think what I've appreciated just reconnecting with you and, and with your kids and just watching you guys from afar is that, you know, I feel soothed and eased and just grateful that other people are also interested in doing this work, right? People that you know, so many of us, we can lose touch and you get back together and it's like, okay, they're, they're doing some X, Y, and Z. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> they're yeah. their family and they can eat and go on vacation. I mean, no, no judgments there. Right, 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 right. That sounded, that sounded judgy. <laughs> but my point is, is that, you know, you're open to these ideas and not just to yourself, and sure, you're passing it on to your children, et cetera. And, you, and it's a mindset, right? That you continue to change but you're building alliances and you keep growing to do the work and that's what's going to continue to need to happen um to me because a lot of people including myself can get disenchanted and say you know what screw it i'm not going to do the work i'm not even going to share it with anybody and i'm just going to worry about feeding myself and going on vacation you know and so i i i want to thank you as (laughs) thank you thank you I'll take that. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just receive an affirmation and not have to be like, Uh, so last two questions for you is like, uh, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And what are you watching? Okay. So reading, I'm really poor reader, but I am, I am reading. So because my work is so like real, I like to disappear into fiction and I don't not, not fantasy fiction, but fiction. So I'm reading the days of abandonment, which I'm halfway through. Um, I, I, and so I'm going to Hawaii on Sunday. Okay. So I hope. That. <laughs> um, and I, I like to read, to be honest, I like to, I mean, I like to read a lot of things on the internet. Like I want to know what's moving. I, I want to know what's moving the market. What's the market responding to? I like to read what's going on with criminal justice stuff, issues in San Francisco, um, food, travel. So I, those kinds of things, local right. politics. Right. Am I watching? I'm yep. watching fall classic um i'm watching football but first and foremost is i'll watch sports and then i like to watch local news i like to watch cnn it sounds pretty boring i'm not (laughs) i'm not really good at the i do watch some tv shows but i'm not really good on like the binge watching i get too Uh, 
<laughs> I'm watching Korean dramas because those just totally take me out of the world. It's awesome. Yeah, that's hey, I'm totally for that. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what am I listening to? Even in terms of music or a podcast, music, whatever. I don't listen to podcasts. I I like my attention deficit is like you know <laughs> do not listen to podcasts very well. Um, I listen. I like to listen. I, if I, if I listen to anything, I'm listening to hip hop, R&B, KML in the morning, you know, I, <laughs> I still listen to KML. I listen to, you know, 90s hip hop, old school R&B. <laughs> um, That's awesome. I, I listened to uh, in the morning. I had Sirius, so I like listening to um, Sway in the morning. There's this guy also, same channel. I don't know. I'm not embarrassed <laughs> that I listen to him. I'm more, I'm, I don't know what, is, I guess maybe, maybe I'm trying to be judicious. If you guys knew that I listened to him, you guys might think, oh my God, that's really not judicial, judicious learn, listening. Cause he's really crass. And I'm not even talking about Howard Stern. Howard Stern is like G rated compared to this guy. Okay. <laughs> but I listen, now you guys want to know, huh? If someone asks <laughs> tell you but otherwise i'm not going to say who it okay. is well I, I i will say i appreciate that you know as i've gotten to know you on social media and all those kind of things I, one of the questions i'll ask has how is michelle going to be a judge and maintain her personality which is part of why folks love you right and so that and i think you've managed to kind of hold that tension really well so I don't know. You'll see. I guess when you become official, you'll you'll decide how much is going. So anyway, um, we're at the end. So thank you so much for hanging out. I got a few things to close us out. Um, thanks all for watching today. Uh, remember, you can watch or listen to previous webinars and register for upcoming dates at first uh, fpresspa.org. Um, uh, you can follow Michelle on Judge Elect Tong on Instagram, and you can follow Abby at Abby B. Pugh on Twitter and Instagram. And always you can connect with me uh, at B. Reyes Chow on all the social media platforms. Be sure to follow and connect to First Presbyterian Church on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at FPC Palo Alto. Subscribe to us on YouTube and Instagram and all that. Thanks to Derek Kikuchi for helping out on the webinar again. And thank you, Michelle, for hanging out with me a bit. Um, again, uh, thanks for being here. Next week, we are welcoming Shauna Bowman and uh, Aisha Brooks Lytle. We're going to talk about hybrid church stuff. It's going to be kind of cool. These are great folks to be on the show uh, next week to talk about what the future of our worship is going to look like. So again, thank you all for coming. Thanks, Michelle, for making time. Great to reconnect. And we'll, we'll see you all. All right. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. BRC and Friends was produced, written, recorded, and edited by Bruce Reyes Chow with zero help from his dog Vespa. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow, like, tag, and share on all the platforms via B-R-C-A-N-D-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. Thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. 
Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. When you have a problem, Fox 12 gets you answers. The violence continues. When crime hits too close to home, we want to make sure your voice is heard. We're listening and ready to confront your problems head on. How can Fox 12 help you? Tell us at kptv.com.